Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. It's good to be seen by all of you joining via the live stream. And man, you know, I, I, it never ceases to amaze me how, of course, of course, the last 12 months have been very difficult, uh, hands down. Um, but it's also just been strange. Uh, you know, we have a number of you that are connecting uh, via the live stream, and I'm so thankful that we have this, this connection, this ability to be able to do that in light of all that's, that's happened. Um, uh, but I never imagined when I started in ministry as a pastor 17 years ago that I would, I would be a televangelist. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, we, we, uh, we're doing the best we can, and I'm so thankful for how God has revealed himself in just tremendous ways. He continues to do that. Um, and, and as difficult as the snow is on a day like today, isn't it beautiful? It's just, it's gorgeous as well. And I can appreciate that while I'm also uh, giving a death grip on my steering wheel on the way here. Um, but thank you for, for being here. And uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, um, I'm Adam Sidler. I'm the senior pastor here at North Haven. And, I, I, you know, I kinda, I've been here a minute. Uh, it feels like in some ways emotionally 10 years. Uh, but I've been here about a year and eight months um, been a pastor now for 17 years, as I mentioned, for a lot of those years as a worship pastor, and then an executive pastor, and then I, I uh, became a senior pastor here, as I mentioned, um, almost two years ago. It's crazy how time has flown. But uh, we are uh, in the midst of uh, this series. We're actually concluding a series today that we've been going through over the last few weeks called 24 six. Uh, and, and so we're going to conclude that. We're going to finish that today. Uh, but one more thing so I, I just want to mention before we uh, move forward. Um, we have several things, as Alyssa mentioned, that we want to make sure that we continue in the life of our church. One of those is connection. And she told you about that connection card. And that really is a, a critical piece for us to be connected with you in the best way that we can. Not only to know who you are, um, but also how we can pray. And, and so please, if you take a moment, uh, jot down a prayer request, and, uh, and we take a time as a staff every week to pray over those things. Um, and it, for those of you that are watching via the live stream, you'll notice that there's a prayer button. If you click on that, we have people in the, um, in the service connected via the live stream as well who are ready for those prayer requests. And uh, not only will be praying with you, um, but we'll continue to make the staff aware of those things so we can pray for those as well. Um, also, we want to continue faithfully in our giving. In um, all the years that I've been a pastor, and I've mentioned this several times, I've never been a part of a church as generous as North Haven Church. It's just been astounding to see God's faithfulness so beautifully displayed through his people. And, uh, and so we want to continue to be faithful in our giving, and we try to make that as easy as possible for all of you. And, uh, and so you'll notice, um, whether you're on the live stream, there's a giving option, uh, but through our website as well. And then certainly you can drop that off as you leave the service too at the basket. One more thing, I want to just make a quick announcement, and this is just really kind of a shot across the bow. It's not happening um, anytime in the next couple of weeks, but we're making adjustments and really being uh, the best stewards that we can with our resources. And as such, we're looking at how it is that we can better present platforms for you to connect to. 
And so uh, we're going to start making changes somewhere along the line here this year in regards to our website, as well as some more tangible, palatable giving options. Um, But part of that is we're going to be moving away from our app, and we're going to be investing in another connection point that I'll talk more about next week. Uh, So you'll still have access to the app over the course of the month. Um, I believe the 23rd is when we're, sometime around that time, we're looking at making that switch. We'll keep you up to date on that. Um, But uh, all the aspects of the app that uh, some of you experience, you can still experience that in other formats and forms that we're going to be presenting. So anyways, just wanted to let you know about that, that that's coming. As I mentioned, we've been going through this series 24-6, and it's based on Matthew Sleeth's book 24-6, and uh, it's all about the Sabbath, the Sabbath, and that's a weird word. I get it. You know, we hear the Sabbath, and we have, we have thoughts and ideas, connotations that come to our mind and our hearts about that word. Uh, maybe you've uh, heard that word before uh, spoken to you. Uh, maybe it's something that you've associated with um, only those who are Jewish. I don't know. But the Bible, the Bible tells us to take serious the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, it's the fourth commandment. And we've mentioned this uh, before, that if the Ten Commandments were an apple pie, you'd want the Fourth Commandment, because that'd be a third of the pie, unless you're on a diet, then, and you don't want that one. Um, but it is an important commandment, so we've got to pay attention to it. What is it? Why is it important? And so we've been looking at that. And I mentioned that I began this journey personally about a year and a half ago. So 42 years of my life, I'm 44 now, 42 years of my life, I didn't take the Sabbath seriously. It wasn't a thing for me. It was just this, this idea or this word, or maybe I thought of it as archaic or Old Testament or whatever the case may be. But a year and a half ago, I started taking it seriously and started actually committing 24 hours of my week to observing the Sabbath. And then my family and I just started doing it together three months ago. So uh, this, is, this is a journey, and I hope it's a journey for you as well. But this book is amazing. It's fantastic in that it takes this concept and it lays it out simply, and he engages the reader. So uh, we have a limited number of books available. They're at the information desk. When you walk out into the commons and you turn left, you'll see the information desk, and uh, you can pick up one of these books, $8.00. If we end up having um, a demand for more than we have available, we'll certainly get some more and make sure that you get the book. Uh, But please, uh, if you haven't yet, consider doing that. So as I mentioned, four weeks. This is our fourth week with with, uh, 24-6, with talking about the Sabbath. And so I want to do a quick recap. We've been doing this each week. And uh, so the quick recap is such where uh, we've been looking at the what, So the first week, that's what we looked at. What is the Sabbath? The second week, we looked at the why. Okay, now that we know what it is, why is it a big deal? And then last week, we looked at the big picture, how, and then today we're going to take a microscope to the how. But first, the what. What is the Sabbath? And if I could kind of encapsulate that first week, we looked at a, uh, an equation that Matthew Sleeth lays out in his book, 24-6, where he says this. He says, God is holy. 
Now, we, we can engage and converse as to whether God exists, but if we can agree at least that there is a God, we would all surmise and nod our head to the fact that God is holy. That is not a radical notion. God is holy. And then we see early on in the Bible that God rested. Right when he created the, all of creation, it says on the seventh day he rested. So that's also a fact. So not only God is holy, but God rested. And so we surmise then if God is holy and if everything he does, if everything he does is holy, then we can only surmise that rest is holy. Rest is holy. If God is holy and God rested and everything that God does is holy, then rest is holy. And if rest, if rest is holy, then that means it's important. It's important. It's something that, that should pique our interest. We should pay attention. We should wonder why is that important. And so that's, that's what we kind of laid down the first week. And then so the second week, after we talked about the what, we started talking about the why. So why is this important. And as we looked at the why, one of the things that we engaged with is this word that we've used many, many times. It's a word that you've probably spoken in conversation, maybe even without knowing. It's the word priorities. Priorities. We, we talked about how there are people who make a living going around helping you sort out your priorities. But in talking about that, we discovered that that word priorities has actually only been in existence since the 19th century. It's a very young word. Every word has its origin. In comparison, the word priority, singular, priority, began in about the fourth, third, fourth century. And that word remained singular, meaning first thing, the first thing the highest thing, the thing of most importance, one thing. That that word uh, remained singular for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years until, until all of a sudden it became this, this plural construct, this idea that you could have more than one priority. But isn't that, isn't that a dichotomy in and of itself? Isn't it, doesn't it, to say that you have priorities doesn't that eliminate the notion that you could have a priority? Nod your head because it's, it's true. Thank you. <laughs> so if you have priorities, if you're living your life giving equal measure and equal focus, equal importance to all, all sorts of different things, and you're saying, I got I to gotta manage my priorities, the very essence, the very reality that you have priorities eliminates the notion that you could ever then have a priority. If you have priorities, then you have no priority. And if you have no priority, and this is where it gets really sobering, if you have no priority, then your priority cannot and will never be Jesus. If you live your life managing your priorities, you will not have a priority, and if you have no priority, your priority will never be Jesus Christ. That's why the Sabbath is so important. 
because it, it causes us to focus on the one thing, the highest thing, the most important thing. We'll get into that here in a little bit more. So we talked about first about the what, and then we talked about the why. Why is that important? And then last week, as I mentioned, we began, uh, you know, big picture, you know, bird in the sky view of the how. Because I could talk and talk and talk until the cows come home about uh, the what and the why, but with anything that we discuss, it doesn't really matter unless we understand the how. How does this manifest itself in our lives? And so we began looking at that last week, and as such, we looked at three focuses that you and I need to have in order to make this a reality, make the Sabbath a reality in our lives. And they go countercultural to the world. The first is this. We, we, we said one of the focuses that you need to have is to embrace limits. And I, w- I would actually maybe uh, reword this by saying embracing the presence and reality of limitation. We live in a world that celebrates that we are limitless, you know, or that we should be limitless, that, that you can do anything at any time. And yeah, there's, there's wonderful kind of dreamlike notions about that, but the reality is, is that we can only handle so much. And we, we can all attest to this. If we were so bold and transparent enough, we could all stand up one by one and talk about a time where we tipped. And maybe you're actually there in that moment now where it's just so much, so much, and you just broke. You couldn't take it anymore. You all know what I'm talking about, right? We can only handle so much. Paul, uh, Paul's a big deal, right, in the New Testament. Wrote a bunch of books in the New Testament. And he mentions in Philippians 4, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 4, in the letter to the church in Corinth, he talks about and compares us, human beings, he compares us to jars of clay. We talked about that last week. Now, if if you took a hammer to a jar of clay, it would not take a very strong swing to break that thing. We talked about how it is that when we have precious you know, pottery in the house, you know, things that we want to see preserved in some way, we're going to put them in places where they're relatively secure and safe, out of the reach of toddlers or pets, because pottery is fragile. And that's what Paul's saying in 2 Corinthians 4. He's saying that we are, human beings, innately fragile that we're vulnerable, that we have an inherent and innate weakness. And that Paul then, he talks even further in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about how because of that, we need to boast in our weakness. We actually, we actually need to be cool with our weakness. Because it's in, our, in our, the midst of our weakness that God's strength is, is most fully realized. When we understand that we cannot save ourselves and that salvation only comes from God alone. That we in and of ourselves don't have the strength or ability to save ourselves. But God's strength is all-powerful and his ability is beyond measure. 
So we have to embrace our limits. The second focus that we talked about last week is we've got to commit to preparation. And if I could, you know, just remind us of, of the, uh, the enemy of rest. What is the enemy of rest? Anybody remember what I said last week? Great sign. All right. <laughs> the, the enemy of rest is procrastination. The enemy of rest is procrastination. Think about that for a second. What, what, what prohibits you from, from uh, being able to rest? What prohibits you from being able to be still? It's because we, we haven't organized or orchestrated our lives to prepare, to, to plan, to orchestrate that stillness and that rest to be realized. You know, when we don't prioritize our lives in such a way where we give ourselves the space for rest to occur, it won't happen. Rest isn't something that just magically happens in our lives. Rest only comes when we plan and prepare for it. So we got to commit to preparation. And then the third focus that we had, and the reason that I'm re-engaging with these things, even though we've talked about them over the last few weeks, what is the first word in the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments where it talks about the Sabbath? What's that first word? Remember. Remember. It's because we forget. And especially this third focus. We, we forget this third focus so much because we identify ourselves in so many ways. We might identify, our identity might be in our job. Our identity might be in our talents or our gifts or our abilities. Our identity might be in our family or our friends or maybe our, our um, uh, economics, you know, our, our, our financial status. Or maybe our identity is in our failures, our addictions. We, we place our identity in all these different things, but, but instead what we need to do is we need to remember our first work. Let's think about when God created Adam and Eve. And uh, so you got, you got the very first man, the very first woman. And, and before sin entered into the world, what, what is it that God was doing with, with uh, Adam and Eve and what Adam and Eve were doing with God? What, what were they doing? Someone help me out. What were they doing? They were being together. They were in each other's midst. Man and woman being with God, dwelling with Him, and God dwelling with us. That is our first work. That was the purpose of creation. And here's the deal. When sin entered into the world, the whole message of the Scripture is God doing whatever He could to be with you again. Our first work is to be with God. Because, you know, regardless of whether you've given yourself to Jesus, your life to Jesus Christ, because the Bible tells us that we can only be saved, we can only experience eternal life by deciding to follow Jesus and make Him the leader of our lives. And when we do that, we're saved. But here's the deal, and I've said this before, every single person in this room and all of you though, who are watching 
uh, the live stream, we, we are all going to die one day. We're all going to die. And as such, we will all exist for eternity. Every single person will exist for eternity. The question isn't whether you exist for eternity. The question is whether your eternal existence is in God's presence or apart from God's presence. And the Bible clearly tells us that the only way to be in God's presence for all of eternity is to give your life to Jesus Christ. But for those of you who have made that decision, that is how you're going to live for eternity is being in the presence of God. And that is our work here as well, is to be with God. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at a microscope. We're going to look even specific, more specific, at how is it that we can make the Sabbath a reality. Because just like with anything, you know, if you've ever done um, any, any weight loss, uh, or if you've, uh, maybe, maybe you started uh, the, the importance of giving, you know, 10% of, of your wages, and you weren't doing anything before, that's a huge leap, zero to 10%. That's a big part of your budget. You got to plan for that. You got to prepare for that step by step. If you're losing 20, 30, 40 pounds, you know, you got you to try to, you know, take the steps and, and, and put simple things into your life in order to eventually realize that. So we're going to look at what are the simple, pragmatic, practical things that we can infuse in order to make the Sabbath a reality, in order to go from zero to 24. So the first thing we need to understand is this. In order to add the Sabbath, in order to add 24 hours, as the Bible uh, commands us, 24 hours where we are investing in rest and stillness and joy and just being with God, in order to add that, we got to subtract other things. In order to add the Sabbath, we have to subtract, we have to shed other things from our lives. It only becomes possible when, when other things are subtracted. So what are some things that we need to subtract? I want you to begin thinking about that. What are some things that you need to say no to? I don't want you to get super detailed, you know, or super like personal, but generally speaking, just go ahead and rattle off. What are a few things that come to your mind that make sense that you could very easily, maybe not easily do, but easily conceive that you have to let go of in order to provide opportunity for rest? What are some things? Social media, okay. Work, yep. Anything else? Is that it? Just social media and work? Those are the only two. Cleaning. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so there are obvious things. But here, here's the deal. Um, there can be a very, there's an easy um, way for us to associate those things that even just those three things that were mentioned, social media, work, cleaning, there's a whole list of things that we could, when we mention those things, we tend to think of them then in a negative light in that they prohibit us from resting and so they are bad, right? Uh, we can maybe categorize them in that way. But here's the deal. When we talk about 
subtracting things from your life in order to add the reality of the Sabbath, in order to add 24 hours where you're resting and where you're still and where you're uh, enjoying the presence of God as well as the presence of others, family and friends. We have to say no to not only the bad things, but we're going to have to say no to some good things as well. And I think that that's really what makes this difficult. There are going to be some good things that need to be released. There are going to be some bad and some good, but it all comes under this umbrella that's mentioned in Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this, Let us throw off everything, everything. There's no, there's no distinction between what is bad. There's no distinction between what is good. It's just everything. Let us throw off everything that hinders, that keeps us, right? And then it says, and on top of that, and the sin that so easily entangles us, and then let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So a key way, a key way that we could begin to understand those areas of our lives that we need to subtract in order to add the reality of Sabbath to our lives is to practically focus on what the Sabbath can be, to visualize that for ourselves. Philippians, so Paul again in in his letter to the church in Philippi in chapter 4, verse 8, he he says this, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So we're going to do that. Here are some basic areas to consider when making the Sabbath a reality. These are umbrella areas that we can begin to hone in on, focus on, and then we can begin to see the Sabbath unfold. Those five areas are this. Unplug. We'll talk about it. Connect with God. Rest physically, rejuvenate, and then last, connect with family and friends. So unplug, connect with God, rest physically, rejuvenate, which is different, and then connect with family and friends. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 3 says this, There are six days when you may work. But the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. It is a sacred thing that we do that benefits our lives, causes us to grow closer to God, and I'll tell you this, it causes you to grow closer to others. So let's look at those five, five things one by one. The first is this, unplug, unplug. Y'all, y'all familiar with Pavlov's dog, to a degree, right? Something to the effect of, you know, like this scientist, he had a dog and rang a bell and ate and associated with the bell and the food, that kind of thing, right? Do you know that we actually experience that every single day? And largely unknowingly. There are sounds that are coming from your device, your cell phone, that are producing that same effect. 
It's either producing this instinctive um, attention that you give to your phone, either in the form of texts or phone calls or um, social media alerts, whatever the case may be, emails that come in, those kinds of things. So it's producing, at the very least, attention. But for many of us, it produces either excitement or anxiety. And so we respond has anybody had also this thing, this phantom vibrating? You know what I'm talking about? That's a thing where you swear that your phone is vibrating in your pocket only to find out that it's not in your pocket. This unplugging is essential. It's essential. Because you cannot commit a day where you are focused not only on rest and stillness, but really giving your attention to God and to others if you're constantly under this this cloud of connection with that device. So turn off your phone, turn off your tablet, turn off your computers. Resist the pull of emails. Resist the pull of text messages. Resist the pull of social media. Don't go on social media. And here's here's a real simple thing when it comes to unplug. Do not look at the clock. I I can't tell you how freeing it is for the last year and a half, for 24 hours of my life, to not know at all what time it is. It's incredible. That is a gift in and of itself. Unplug. The second is this, connect with God. Connect with God. You know, one of the ways that we can connect with God is is to simply go to church like you are right now. That's why for many of you, Sunday is, is really a fantastic day to commit as being your Sabbath. How, how wonderful it would be to be able to have a day, 24 hours, where I'm going to commit to rest, I'm going to commit to stillness, joy, being with God, and then being with others, and to come to church and to worship, to listen, to pray, and then to go home, have a good meal, take a nap. How beautiful is that? Connect with God. Read the Bible. You know, we have this this access to God's Word that is astounding. Comparative to, to, to even recent history, every single person in this room, I'm going to assume, has a cell phone. Every single person in this room with just your thumb can access the Bible in a second. That's That's amazing. I would imagine, too, that most of you, probably 90% of you, have more than one Bible in your house. That's incredible. We have this access to the literal words of God. And yet, how many times have we been faced with a decision or a conundrum, some sort of situation, and we've responded by saying, God, I just I need to hear from you. Why won't you talk to me? And I wonder sometimes, I wonder sometimes if God in those moments is like, I have. And all we got to do is crack open his word and to invite him to speak to us. 
So we got to read the Bible. We got to talk with God. We got to pray. And listen, prayer, prayer isn't always telling God what's going on as if, as if we need to, you know, clue him in, right? Hey, God, just, just so you know, FYI, prayer often is just listening. Prayer often is doing what David said in Psalm 139. He's saying, search me, God. Okay, I, I, I open myself up to you. Search me, and, and God, see if there's any offensive way in me. Reveal these things to me. Speak to me, I'm listening. What would your life look like if you made a practice of just inviting God to speak? So we got to unplug we got to separate ourselves from these things that would want to constantly connect with us, and then we got to connect with God, and we got to rest physically. Let me tell you this. Uh, there was a number of years ago, I was working at a camp, and I remember, you know, just like every other uh, early 20-year-old person and teenager, you know, sleeping or uh, staying up super late and then sleeping till 10, 11 in the morning, Right? Or maybe staying up late and then waking up at 5 or 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning and not getting enough sleep. And I remember this, this person came to me, this adult, and he said, listen, Adam, I want to tell you something. Rest is a spiritual discipline. Sleep is a spiritual discipline. You know, one of the most spiritual things that you could probably do for your life is take a nap. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to sound cheeky. I'm telling you that we need to, we need to understand that we're, we are four-dimensional people. That in tandem, our physicality, our emotionality, our mentality, and our, and our spirituality are in relationship. And that one of them affects the others. And so if we're not taking care of ourselves physically, it actually affects us spiritually. It actually affects us emotionally. It actually affects us mentally. And, and so it is a spiritual thing that we can do to rest. And you're not a bad person if you take a nap. You've got to let go of your housework and your yard work. And that's tough. You've got to let those dishes pile up. You got to let the weeds grow. We have to be okay sometimes with being in the mess. So we got to rest physically. We also need to rejuvenate. I, you know, I've mentioned this before. People are elevators. They either bring you up or they bring you down. And sometimes when they bring you down, you just got to get off that elevator. But that's the true with other things in our life as well. There are things that we can invest in that give us life, that bring us up. And there are things then that bring us down. The Sabbath is, is a, a day solely and completely to those things that give us life. That remind us of God's beauty, of his majesty. Going on a hike or, or a walk. You know, taking a look at the, the snowfall outside sitting and just gazing through a window or listening to music and being, being in awe of God's creation. So rejuvenate. And then connect with family and friends. The Sabbath is not meant to do alone. It is not an isolation activity. 
it is meant to do in community. And so investing in the Sabbath, investing time where we are resting, we're being still, where we are, we are living in joy, we do that with others, with family, with friends. We read the Bible together, we pray together, we play together, we, we just are together. The Sabbath, realizing the Sabbath for our lives, guys, this... This is the act, the literal act, of being with God. Listen to this. While we do the minimum on purpose. The Sabbath is being with God while we are doing the minimum on purpose. And and even by saying that, I recognize that for some of you, that's anxiety-inducing. Because we've associated doing the minimum with laziness. We've associated as doing the minimum as being less than. But in Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, again, Paul says, Whatever you have learned or received, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. The Sabbath is a beautiful depiction of God's grace. That word grace, we've heard it many times, and we've said it, we've sung it, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What does grace mean? Grace means an unmerited favor. It means you've received something that you don't deserve. And the reason the reason observing the Sabbath is such a beautiful depiction of God's grace is because it's saying I can do nothing. I can do nothing. And I'm still enough for God. I can do nothing. And I'm still worthy. Why are we so transfixed? Why are we so determined to prove ourselves to God? When he tells us that you're enough. You're enough. On the back of your worship card, at the very bottom... I wanted to give you a tangible way to begin processing and possibly even commit to what this could look like for your life. And I've mentioned that uh, for me and my family, uh, just by the mere fact that we are observing the Sabbath, this 24-hour period of time on a weekly basis, it doesn't mean that we are living in this beautiful utopia. On Thursday night, we do our Sabbath from Friday night to Saturday night, and on Thursday night, we had a pipe burst in our, in our basement, and our basement was flooded. And I got to tell you, Friday night, then doing the Sabbath, I was not, like, super ready to do that. Life doesn't become perfect, but the, the life that we have now is so much more rich. It's so much more meaningful because we are intentionally giving that day to God 
where we focus on being with Him, learning from Him, resting, resting, and being still and doing that together. So I wanted to give you that tangible way. And so I ask that you begin thinking about a day you could commit to, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then a time period. Maybe three hours is all that you can handle right now, and that's fine, right? Step by step. But maybe you're going to be so bold and you're going to say, what? you know, I'm going to make it a priority to do 24 hours. And then I want you to list some things that you're going to do that you're going to commit to in order to put this into practice for your life. So I wanted to give you that tangible way to begin processing that. And then one more tangible thing, and that is the end of the service. As is typical, we're going to have music here at the end, but instead of having you stand and sing along, or instead of having you sit and really focus on the words and reflect, I want this time to be whatever you want it to be. There's no agenda here. It's just a practical way that we can just be with God. And so if you want to sing the song, by all means, please. If you want to just sit and reflect, do that. If you want to pray, fantastic. If you want to close your eyes and fall asleep, we won't wake you up if you start snoring. But we're not going to dismiss you. That's the thing. Why don't you just leave whenever you want, whenever you're ready. And just take the time. And for those of you who are new, um, as is the case every Sunday, I'm going to be out there in the comments, and I would love the opportunity to meet with you. Uh, and just say hi. No agenda. Just say hi. But let's, let's just take this time.